Hello and welcome to a Woking Spotlight episode of Liberal Lockdown, the podcast that takes a lively and liberal look at local issues. I'm Adam Kirby. And I'm Dale Roberts. In this episode, we're going to talk about trust. Who do we trust and who don't we trust? And specifically, do we trust our politicians locally and nationally? Even more importantly, we ask, what should we be doing to rebuild trust between people and the politicians that serve them? And as Le Dems, we don't rely on lazy cliches. We reach for evidence. Our source is something called the Edelman Trust Barometer. It's hugely respected data, 27 countries, 20 years of data, 30,000 respondents, and it measures institutional trust. So trust in governments and the media, for example. In 2020, Edelman reported that trust in government increased in the majority of governments, but it decreased in the UK. In fact, the UK was ranked 25 in a list of 26 countries, second only to Russia. And as Lib Dems, we believe that this has to change. We can't allow half-truths, deceit, cronyism, incompetence and secrecy to continue to erode trust, nationally and locally. And an important way of building public trust is transparency. But it's not enough for a local or national government to say that it intends to be open and transparent. There needs to be ways that ensure that it is. There need to be mechanisms for the business that it conducts, the decisions it makes, to be examined closely, to be scrutinised. And one of these ways is the process of inquiry, and specifically enquiries. For example, inquiries conducted by select committees nationally and scrutiny committees locally. And as candidates for the 2021 elections, we've been looking into the work done by our local scrutiny team the group that champions transparency in Woking, chaired by the Liberal Democrats. We've been talking to members of the scrutiny committee, scouring the local press, devouring reports, listening to Woking Borough Council meetings, digging into the detail of the independent report on the Westfield development, and generally getting to know the good work that already goes on and asking the question, what role does scrutiny play in rebuilding trust in local politics. First off, Dale, although we should issue a spoiler alert here, did you conclude that the work of this scrutiny committee was enough? My view, Adam, definitely not. The, the scrutiny team clearly do great work and, and they're undoubtedly the catalyst for what turned out to be a critically important independent review. It exposed a culture of secrecy, inadequate due diligence, and of course, the elephant in the room that our local council offered a 250 million pound loan to a developer who had no assets without proper credit checks and without a guarantor in the event that they couldn't repay. I would say though, that what we saw when we looked at this Adam is that conservative leadership tried to frustrate the scrutiny process at every step. I hear council leaders talking about the independent report now that it's out and in the open in sort of warm and welcoming terms. But they've spent years trying to stop the contents being published. The scrutiny team produced a report on the Westfield development back in June of last year, which attracted indignation and outrage from the council at the time, was partly sidelined, and yet the independent assessor fully endorsed the scrutiny report findings, 
that had been made a full six months previously. That would be my assessment too, actually. And I think I just add that the word I think I've heard for that is called gaslighting. And I'm so impressed by how much work had to be done by the scrutiny team, how much resistance there was all along and how close it came to nothing of what we know today ever being disclosed. It's easy for the Conservative leadership locally and working here to suggest now that they fully accept the report, to even try and take credit. Now it's in the public domain and widely reported by the press. But I'm concerned that the public reaction we're seeing is not based on a genuine appetite from the executive, from the Conservatives here, to be open, transparent and accountable. Those things, again, that build trust. It sounds like you and I agree, Adam. But before we go into exactly why we do agree, why don't you explain what we discovered about how the scrutiny team work in practice? That's a good point. Not everyone listening will know the ins and outs. So this is how I understand it. In Woking, there is an executive of six conservative councillors, including the leader. Woking is a conservative-led council. They effectively set the agenda and make recommendations to full council of 30, which comprises those, such as you and I, hopefully in May, that have been voted to represent their local wards. The Lib Dems also have a role to play as the official opposition. So Anne-Marie Barker, one of our Lib Dem councillors, is the leader of the opposition party in Woking. Then there are various committees for things like planning, licensing, standards and audit, and the one we're interested in today, overview and scrutiny. This committee, for a council of our kind, is required by law and by custom is led by a councillor from the opposition party. They sit monthly and their meetings can be watched live on the Woking Council meeting webcasts. They, as the name suggests, can review, so scrutinise, council decisions and make recommendations to full council and the executive. In theory, and as a legal requirement, it's a rigorous structural check and balance. However, in practice, it requires cooperation, support and understanding of that from the executive. They could treat scrutiny, as we heard several times, as a critical friend, or they could be indifferent to it, to not sponsor it and even resist it perhaps because they feel challenged, even threatened by it and generally make the process of scrutiny difficult. Look at what happened around the Westfield development, not the development itself, but council processes. We can see that the scrutiny team were incredibly successful. In fact, all of what we know today about the development is because of work initiated by the scrutiny team. And way before the independent report, the scrutiny team were doing their thing, checking. For example, the detail of that £250 million loan. We would all expect as residents that before the council offered any loan, let alone a loan of £250 million, that they would have examined the track record of the borrower, their reserves, their character, their reputation, detailed finances and so on. Effectively, we would all assume that if Woking Borough Council is going to act responsibly, that it would be as rigorous in its assessment of the borrower as a lending bank would be. And this is what scrutiny asked in open council, as it happens. They asked if there'd been sufficient and robust due diligence. And this is important, I think. They were assured that there had been. And we all know now, of course, that it hadn't been. So very early on, as we understand it, Adam, scrutiny intervened, asked the right question, and were told that due diligence had been carried out. 
However, the scrutiny team, quite rightly, it turns out, didn't just take that face value, they checked. And what they discovered was that the level of diligence was no more than what would be obtained by a simple search on company's house, basically a quick Google. No credit references were even asked for, let alone assessed. That's right, Adam. So scrutiny doing their job, asking the right question, but the response in this case wasn't really good enough. Thankfully, though, the scrutiny team pushed on. So we can already see what looked to me as passive resistance to scrutiny. When the external inspector's report was concluded, it contained a number of recommendations, 15 in all. Now, I think you and I agree with what we heard from scrutiny is that the best way to think of them is a critical friend, the sort of friend that will tell you the truth rather than just what you want to hear. When the scrutiny team were originally ready to present their report, the chief executive intervened. He didn't accept it as a critical friend at all. In fact, what I read suggested he reacted defensively to the recommendations. In fact, at one point, he claimed that implementing the recommendations would undermine the ability for council to conduct its business. In spite of that resistance, though, the scrutiny report did make it to full council, who accepted that there should be an independent report that came later by Dr. Gifty Adila. And interestingly, the original scrutiny report contained 15 recommendations, things such as reducing the number of confidential items, clearer audit trails, robust due diligence, risk assessment, and so on. This work was singled out during the independent review by Dr. Gifty Adida and fully endorsed, yet the CEO had initially reacted by suggesting that these are the same recommendations uh, which were so, it was just so exacting, so onerous, that they would get in the way of council doing business. And there were news articles covering conservative councillors' reaction to the scrutiny report at the time and strongly objecting to it. One conservative councillor described it as, and I quote, almost offensive. Another felt personally aggrieved. It would seem that the scrutiny team doing their job wasn't regarded in that way as a critical friend. And even when the independent report was produced, the executive didn't want to present that report to full council. Rather, they wanted to table their report on the report. Now, on the face of it, that would allow them to focus on the changes that needed to be made. But it could also have skipped critical independent analysis. And it could also allow them to perhaps cherry pick or water down the findings that they didn't like. In any case, it doesn't sound like the right thing to do with what is an independent report. And as it turns out, nor did the Lib Dems in opposition. The leader of the opposition intervened and eventually agreement was reached that it, the independent report be tabled rather than the executive report on the report, if that makes sense. And it's also worth noting that when the report was eventually shared, it was done over the Christmas period. Now again, if I'm being cynical, then I would say that timing was intentional. There's a lot going on at Christmas and people are distracted. It was also eventually presented at a special council meeting when the appointment of the new CEO was being discussed, which would naturally be the major story. A report of this nature was just too important to be a, in quote, support act to a headlining story about the chief executive, in my view. This is not really accepting 
and endorsing a critical review. It's minimising it, in my view. Those findings, as we know, were hugely critical. Decision to support the plan was given on unclear evidence that £250 million loan was high risk. There was a concerning lack of risk assessment. Land was purchased for millions ahead of planning consents and so on. At this point, the implementation of proper controls, increased openness, wider public consultation were being widely publicised. And it has to be said, finally and fully accepted by the council. Yet after all that, the former leader of the council characterised the report as, and this is a direct quote, a whole series of congratulations about the council and the officers. It was almost a delusional refusal to accept the report for what it was. Now, Dale, you and I have read that report any number of times, and it can in no way be described as a series of congratulations, and nor does it need to be. This is really important in any leadership team. Mistakes are made. Everyone learns from them, implements change, and moves on. In fact, as we just mentioned, it's scrutiny's job to do proactively, to do just that, to be that critical friend. So, Adam, let's summarise. Yeah, scrutiny have this critical role in holding the council accountable and therefore maintaining trust between residents and the council. But you and I have seen such a lot of resistance when they do step in. Yeah, scrutiny asked an open council about due diligence on the £250 million loan and were told that it had happened. It objectively, it turns out, had not. Now, thankfully, they checked anyway. Then they made recommendations but these were sidelined and they certainly weren't regarded as a critical friend. And then when the independent report into that was published, the executive wanted to table their report with their angle and their interpretation rather than the independent findings. And even then, when the independent report was tabled, there were still claims in council meetings that the findings were very positive, but they were manifestly not. That seemed to miss the point of what the report was for. And it does leave you wondering, are there other large projects that have been run in the same way that we just don't know about yet? And we mustn't forget that the scrutiny team will want to ensure that the recommendations made by that independent report are actually implemented. Principal leadership would be open to such scrutiny. It would want the council to grow and learn from its mistakes. It would want the changes to be implemented. It would want to be better. It will be critically important that the council are more open to constructive criticism from scrutiny. That's right, Adam. All along, we've heard that scrutiny should be treated like a critical friend. We've used that expression a lot. Mm. It should be welcomed. There's an expression in the private sector that culture eats strategy for breakfast. You have all the right plans, you have all the right processes and say all the right things. But what matters is culture and attitude. And the culture and attitude that I saw as we looked at this to healthy scrutiny was resistance. It was friction and actually even hostility. It was treated like a threat to be minimised rather than the invaluable function that it fulfils to scrutinise, check, ensure that good decisions are being made that represent the best interest of the people of Woking, that Woking council business runs properly and prudently, particularly if it involves loans of a quarter of a billion pounds to property developers. And that trust can be maintained between the Woking council leadership, the people of Woking, and the councillors that represent them. 
Yes, Dale. And with an election coming up on the 6th of May and with promises being made for the future, that feels like a really vital note to end on. Thank you for listening to Liberal Lockdown. Please do check the show notes if you're interested in reading more about the subjects we've covered in this episode. And of course, we'd love you to subscribe using your favourite podcast app. Recommend us to your friends and family. Visit our website, wokinglibdems.org.uk, particularly as we are sharing more and more online. Not only is it the easiest way of sharing, uh, it's also right now the safest. And follow us on Twitter. And that's all for this episode. Until next time. Next time. Thank you.